Richard Heinberg asks in his latest newsletter, Can Civilization Survive? He says, the world shift away from its current reliance on fossil fuels would be the biggest, most expensive and most complex technical project ever attempted by humans. If it fails, he writes, that might mean the end of industrial civilization. For it to succeed, enormous amounts of investment and effort, along with some shared sacrifice, will be required. These are the conclusions, he says, of key recent studies attempting to model the global energy transition. Welcome, it's great to have you on board. This is the latest episode of Climate Conversations, and I'm your host, Robert McLean. This podcast is assembled here in Shepparton, in northern Victoria, Australia, on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people, and I pay my respects to elders, past, present, and emerging. Richard Heinberg is a senior fellow with the US-based Post Carbon Institute and is regarded as one of the world's foremost advocates for a shift away from our current reliance on fossil fuels. Continuing his newsletter, Heinberg says, Energy is essential. It's what enables us to do literally anything and everything we do. Fossil fuels, with their ability to store and deliver enormous amounts of energy, underpin the modern industrial world. Since fossil fuels are finite and polluting, it's imperative that we plan a shift to renewable energy systems that can be sustained over the long term. A transition away from fossil fuels is not optionally rights, in some form or other. It is inevitable. However, there are serious questions about how much it will cost in terms of money, energy and emissions, how fast we can accomplish it, and what kind of society can be supported by the alternative energy sources we adopt. Presumably a suite of sources dominated by solar and wind power. You'll find a link to the Heinberg newsletter in the show notes. Today's Melbourne Age carries a story by Mike Foley and today is December 31, 2022. The story is headed, Plibersec faces 140 decisions pitting koalas against development. The story begins... Environment Minister Tanya Plibersek may be asked to approve up to 140 developments that could worsen the koala extinction crisis in a test of the government's pledge to halt the decimation of native species. Habitat destruction triggered by urban agricultural expansion is a key threat to the survival of the Australian marsupial. Listed as endangered species in New South Wales and Queensland in February, following a series of devastating losses from bushfires, feral predators, and vast land clearing. And now from Saloon we hear, climate change may have encouraged the Huns to invade Europe. Droughts that plagued Europe 1,500 years ago may have incentivized raiders that crushed the Roman Empire. The fall of the Roman Empire, roughly 1,500 years ago, has attracted uncountable theories of what caused it. A predominant hypothesis is that roving bands of invaders overwhelmed Roman settlements across Europe and Central Asia, spreading violence and destruction wherever they went. These pressures were too great for the empire to withstand, and so it collapsed. A nomadic, pastoral people known as the Huns are particularly implicated in usurping this superpower. Their fierce cavalry struck fear into the hearts of anyone unfortunate enough to cross their path. However, the motives of the Huns is still somewhat of a mystery. Most historical accounts depict these people as barbaric and ruthless, 
with an insatiable lust for blood and gold. But most of these descriptions don't come from first-hand accounts, more often Roman elites, and attempts to paint the Huns as subhuman may have been politically motivated. A new paper in the Journal of Roman Archaeology suggests that climate change may have been the driving factor for these raids between 430s and 450s AD. Specifically, a few decades of drought pushed the Huns to the brink, forcing them to brutalise others in the pursuit of survival. They weren't necessarily greedy or violent, though they may have been that too, but they were mostly just starving. Zach Labe is a postdoctoral research worker with the NOAA Geophysical Fluid Dynamics Laboratory and the Atmospheric and Oceanic Sciences Program at Princeton University. His current research explores the intersection of climate variability, extreme events, decadal predictions, and data science methods. Zach's website, for which you'll find a link in the show notes, includes a whole raft of graphs that will help you better understand the climate crisis. Now we shift to a story from The Conversation. It's written by John Pagini, who is a lecturer in history at the Australian Catholic University. His story is headed, Is There a Right to Disobey? From the Vietnam War to Today's Climate Protests. It seems an extremely relevant story considering the fact that climate protesters have been in the news of late, making their point, even on the Sydney Harbour Bridge. The story begins. One of the first moves of the newly elected Whitlam government in December 1972 was to free seven men imprisoned for their beliefs. Their crime had been refusal to comply with the National Service Act, a so-called lottery of death that sent some 15,300 young Australians to fight in Vietnam. 200 of them never came home. The story continues. The issue of national service, often dubbed the draft, followed American vernacular, was perhaps the most powerful in the anti-war movement's arsenal. Draft resistors mobilised public sentiment with their heroic stands, respectable mothers campaigned to save our sons. And as I explore a newly published book chapter, the Australian wing of Amnesty International classed these men as prisoners of conscience. Today, Australia grapples with the question of criminalising conscience. Laws in several Australian states impose harsh penalties on the use of direct action by climate change activists. Fifty years ago, similar questions of a right to disobey sparked fierce debates. Where should the legal limits of conscience lie? Now we shift to The Guardian to read a story written by Alex Lawson, and the story is headed, BP criticised over plan to spend billions more on fossil fuels than green energy. The story begins, BP has been accused of prioritising fossil fuels over green energy as it plans to spend as much as double the amount on oil and gas projects than on renewable investments next year. The FTSE 100 company has earmarked up to $7.5 billion for oil and gas projects, compared with a range of $3 billion to $5 billion for green energy. BP expects to increase spending on resilient hydrocarbons, oil and gas refining and bioenergy projects, up to $1 billion in 2023. From the Ideas Room, we find a story written by Dr Fan Zhu, who is a senior lecturer in chemical science at the Faculty of Science at the University of Auckland. 
His story is headed, Can Quinoa Help Us Survive Climate Change? He says, Quinoa is an ancient seed, originally grown only in the high altitudes of South America's Andes, where it has been cultivated for thousands of years. Its popularity and price have surged over the past three decades because of health-conscious consumers attracted to its reputation as a superfood. After 10 years of research into quinoa and recently publishing a book about it, Quinoa Chemistry and Technology, I believe quinoa is likely to play a major role in improving food security for a large proportion of the global population, and its tolerance for extreme conditions could make it a key crop for helping humans survive climate change. From the Financial Times we're Exxon sues EU in move to block new windfall tax on oil companies. The story begins. ExxonMobil is suing the EU in a bid to force it to scrap the bloc's new windfall tax on oil groups, arguing Brussels exceeded its legal authority by imposing the levy. The lawsuit is the most significant response yet against a tax from the oil industry, which has been targeted by Western governments amid a surge in energy prices following Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. The action threatens the viability of a levy the European Commission said would raise 25 billion euros to help bring down energy bills. Now we hear from Inverse. The story is headed, Scientists have debunked a popular corporate greenwashing tactic. The story begins, Many companies promising net zero emissions to protect the climate are relying on vast swathes of forest and what are known as carbon offsets to meet that goal. On paper, carbon offsets appear to balance out a company's carbon emissions. The company pays to protect trees, which absorb carbon dioxide from the air. The company can then claim the absorbed carbon dioxide as an offset that reduces its net impact on the climate. However, our new satellite analysis reveals that what researchers have suspected for years, forest offsets might not actually be doing much for the climate. Now we head back to The Guardian for our final story, and it's a snapshot of 2022 by Elaine Brum. Her story is headed, This year, I only needed to open my window in Brazil to witness the climate crisis. She writes, I have covered the Amazon as a journalist for almost 25 years. It started in 1998 with a trip along the Trans-Amazonian Highway. In 2017, I moved to the city of Altamora in Para, northern Brazil. It is the centre of the deforestation, forest fires and social devastation caused by the Belo Monte Hydroelectric Dam. I moved here because I no longer wanted to be just a special correspondent to the Amazon but so I could describe what was happening to the largest tropical forest on the planet from inside. Despite this long experience, 2022 was the first year in which I watched the forest burn from the window of my home. I didn't need to go to the fire, as journalists normally do. The fire had come to me. You'll find links to all those stories in the show notes. And that wraps up this episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks so much for your company. So until we talk again, please take care, stay safe, and please be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. And please do share this story. It's important. It's important that we all are aware of what's happening with the climate crisis. As I said before, please take care.